Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcellet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcellet. Thank you for joining us today. So you may have guessed what we're going to be talking about today based on that little snippet. It's one of our guests today, Alethea, performing, but we'll talk more about that in a moment. I want to start by introducing my co-host, Sirit. Welcome back to the podcast, Sirit. Hi, thank you for having me. Do you want to remind our listeners a little bit about your vision Absolutely. So I can see uh, large shapes and colors. Uh, I don't have uh, very much depth perception, but I'm able to see objects. All right. So today we are talking to some blind drummers and we have two of them with us today. I'm so excited. I want to welcome Gary and Alethea. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, a little bit about your vision, and then we'll get into kind of how you got into drumming. But uh, Gary, can you tell us a bit about your vision? Sure. I have uh, retinitis retinite stigmatosa uh, called tunnel vision to a lot of people. Um, so when I was a child, I could see probably about eight degrees of vision about the size of a person's face. And as I got older, they got smaller and smaller until into my 30s or so, I guess, uh, it came down to light perception, which is kind of how my vision is now. Awesome. And how about you, Alethea? So for me, my vision is that I cannot see anything at all. I'm completely blind. My eye condition is bilateral microphthalmia, which means my eyes are not fully developed. And just to give a reference, um, Alethea, are you comfortable sharing your age? Yep, my age. I'm old. I'm 14 years old. Right. Okay. And Gary said in his 30s, so we know he's older than 30. <laughs> so I'm curious. <laughs> so, Gary, tell when you started drumming, were you visually impaired? I guess is what I want to know. Yeah. So not to the degree I am now. So when I started drumming, because I had my central vision was quite good. Um, I was actually able to read, read notation. So I, I started in grade seven or eight in junior high and soon started taking lessons and stuff and, and had a bad teacher for my first year, but my second year teacher I got was really good and I stuck with him for many years. Um, and so I was kind of classically trained more than uh, like drums that trained for the first 
several years of my education. So that just means reading a lot of, um, you know, uh, drum etudes, they call them, or studies. So a lot of rudiments and things. For drummers, rudiments are like scales for piano players. Um, they're kind of the foundations that you build everything on. So uh, ironically, <laughs> I was actually quite a good sight reader when I was younger. Uh, I, I ended up going to jazz school when I was about 20 or so, I guess it was. And that's one of the things they commented on and commented on in my audition is how good my sight reading was, which is quite funny, I find, because it yes. got worse later. And I certainly couldn't uh, read music easily, competently, but uh, sometimes it worked really well. Okay, so kind of you picked drums when you started playing in school, like in the school band, like how we all, if we take music, pick an instrument. Drums was just the one. Um, that- well. Actually, I, I do. I was thinking about this for coming here today, and I remember the first time I really wanted to be a drummer. I was about seven years old, and we we're walking past this garage with my sisters. And there's a you know band playing there. They're probably teenagers, but they seem very old to me. Uh, and I just couldn't stop staring at the drummer. I just thought that's just so amazing. And then so later on, my dad tried to get me taking guitar lessons at the CNIB or something. But lucky for me, my hands I grew late, so my hands were kind of too small to play guitar. I couldn't really do it very well and I just kind of gave up on it. And then when I got to, as you say, to junior high, then when it became time to join music, I said, Hey, I want to play the drums. I always wanted to play the drums. So that's how I got myself there. Oh, cool. Okay. So how about you, Alethea? Cause I know you started pretty young. Yeah, actually I started even before I was born. I always kicked my mother in her womb kick, <laughs> kick, 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 and she'd be like, ouch stop baby stop and and that's really how it all began um when i was born i well i I was like the normal natural baby but then as i started to grow up i started to make rhythms out of everything like i and even using different materials around the house to make percussion so like um because my brother took drum lessons when he was younger and some not a lot only like a couple years we we had a pair of drumsticks laying around and so I started to bang on pots and pans and I started to develop rhythms and like basic rhythms and then I think when I was about five my parents got me a toy drum with toy drum sticks and that was really fun and had a whole bunch of other instruments as well and then when I was about seven, I got my first electronic drum set. It's not the kind where it's got its own like separate hi-hat and whatnot. Like it's basically this big stand, like just big, it's, it, it, it sat on a snare stand and it's just basically a machine with pads and then little bass and hi-hat pedals, which were like squares with like rubber buttons you push with your foot in the middle. and. That was good for a while. And then about age 10, I got a way better real electronic drum set. This one actually looked realistically more like like a regular drum set. It had like, let's say rubber cymbals. They weren't like two cymbals for hi-hats because usually hi-hats have two cymbals. Um, and maybe we'll get into that a bit later about all the different drum parts, but yeah. So it's basically, I had my cymbals, my snares, it, it looked more realistic, except what I found about this one I got in particular was the snare is just, a, it's like a pad with like a rim and it's, it wasn't just, it wasn't very realistic for me. And I, I found it over the years, I just wanted a real one. Mm-hmm. So then um, age 13, about age 13, I got 
my first real drum set, which I still have to this day. Awesome. Okay. So you, I know both of you are in bands and we're going to get more to that in a while, but I'm just curious, like how old were you the first time you performed, Alethea? The first time I performed for in band, I was um, probably around nine or 10. And that was my first band. That you- for me was a learning experience. And I found it really like intimidating at first because I have never done it before, but then over the years, I've gotten lots of practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I think you also, you and your dad performed for Blind Beginnings Has Talent when you were pretty young. Besides that, besides that, I wasn't, I was counting more of a band, but yes, we did perform when I was like seven, I believe. And we called our band The Drop. For some reason, I just came up with that name. I don't know why. I just don't know why. And I came up with that. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good. But that's my younger self. Right. And so we performed <laughs> on Blind Beginnings Has Talent. And it was for me, I think even with family, that was still nerve wracking. I did it, but it, I, my face just was red. And it, <laughs> it was just a whole new thing for me. Like hearing the drum set go through speakers that are not on stage, I wasn't used to. But mm. in the end, I thought, I felt that I did pretty well. Awesome. I think you did well too. So your dad is musical. What about you, Gary? Did you come from a musical family? Um, not tons. My dad plays guitar kind of, you know, recreationally and, and likes music a lot. He plays, you know, I was younger, mm. had a lot of records. I think mean, I remember listening to Johnny Cash and stuff like that when I was a kid. Um, I remember my first performance with a band, like a rock band was in grade nine. And uh, we got a bunch of us together, as four of us, and, and practiced our little butts off. And I think we played like six songs at some kind of community dance or something. I can't remember exactly what the event was, but um, I just, just remember it was, you know, kind of a fun time. I had a, a drum solo in Cocaine by Eric Clapton. And <laughs> kind of thought, you know, I don't know how the band went over, but there was an article in the like community paper afterwards where it was written by my English teacher, I think. And he was talking about how the band was kind of so-so, but the only potential seemed to be the drummer. And I was like, oh, cool. Awesome. (laughs) That was my first time of being, you know, thinking, oh, wow, maybe I can play these drums and maybe I'll be okay. That's awesome. So I know that both of you have been drumming for a while now. And I guess the question that uh, I had for you guys is, was there something that was challenging about uh, playing drums? Um, and, and was that related to your guys's vision uh, at all, if any? I found for me, I find the setting up part because is really hard because a lot of the drum pieces are like humongous. I mean, I can do like basic stuff and then, but that's about it. Like I can change a symbol. That's what I learned recently. I want to learn how to change a bass pedal, but it's super hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, Alethea, you've mentioned in the past that, you know, you do have perfect pitch and how you talked about, uh, you know, when you would play with pots and pans and create that rhythm. Uh, I'm sure that probably having perfect pitch facilitated that sort of process of of trying to um, play drums. Well, I didn't all do drums. When I was younger, my parents tried to steer me towards piano. I did piano maybe for about a year or two, and I just really 
I just did not like it. I really was frustrated because you sit down and practice. It's the, it's the classical stuff. And my mom's going through it like C, D, all the notes and the fingerings. And I just like, we constantly fight and argue and I just couldn't stand it. So like, I said, mom, after this, I want to quit. And, you know, after this long and I just, I was so happy when I was taken out, not to be saying that piano was bad, but I just felt it wasn't the thing for me. And so the rest of my life growing up, it's always been percussion drums. I wonder how many times you would talk to drummers and hear that story or parents directing us towards other instruments before we end up finally getting the drum set we wanted. Yeah, probably many parents. I feel like it's, I, I mean, I I have a fantasy. I, I would love to play the drums too, but I wouldn't have even thought to ask my parents. Like, I feel like it's the one instrument that no parent would encourage, right? It's like, <laughs> please don't what play do the drums. Well, it's the advantage, the advantage nowadays though, Sean, compared to when I was younger is that, uh, you know, you can have electronic drum kits. So it's not the same noise factor as it used to right. be. Like, I mean, everybody wants like, like, you know, everybody wants an acoustic kit or, you know, real snare drum and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, at least you can start by having electronic drums. So you have that whole drum set thing and it's all in your headphones and you don't bug people much more than clickety, clickety, clickety clack. Right. Mm -hmm. Was it challenging learning <laughs> to play the drums? Was your, did your vision impact that at all? Um, well, I'll say how the two ways, you know, my vision impacts my drumming in the last many years. Anyway, uh, one is like a technical thing. Uh, and that is playing um, because I can't see and your drum sets are never set up exactly the same way because when you're playing in a band, you know, your stage always is a different size and you're cramming in here and cramming in there. And so one of my problems I have is hitting rims when I'm doing, going around the tom-toms and doing fills like that. Um, my electronic kit I've cheated and I've, I can make the rim sound sound like the drum. So nobody knows I'm hitting rims. but uh, um, so that's one of the kind of visual things. I think like getting a spatial sense of the drums is pretty good. Uh, but in the sound check, I have to be very, very diligent about going around to all my tom toms and all my cymbals. And when we're doing like a song, like it might be some straightforward song, but I'm doing all kinds of crazy fills in it just so I can get comfortable uh, hitting everything and, and knowing where I'm, you know, putting my stick a bit too high or a bit too to one side or whatever it might be. Um, so that's one of the kind of physical challenges. And I say the other challenge mm -hmm. that you run into as a person who is blind playing in bands is when you see ads in, in papers or online or whatever, wherever you, you know, look for bands nowadays too, is when they say like, you know, I must have own transportation because, you know, whatever he's looking for with a drummer, the guy's got a van so they can move all the rest of their gear around with your gear. Um, so that's a bit of a thing where, you know, you have to kind of get past that a bit. I know getting really annoyed sometimes and seeing that in ads and, and when I'm trying to get into a band and just realizing people who can't even kind of have a conversation with you around that probably aren't the people you want to be in a band with. Because the thing with bands is that they're not, you know, not always going to be your best buddies, but you are going to be, you are going to be friends. You're going to be hanging out a lot. So, you know, the band I'm in right now, they're amazing people. They, you know, I've got my two drum kits stored in the garage for the time being. And, uh, you know, they always pick me up on the way to gigs and all that kind of stuff. And, that makes up for a lot of other things. So that's, that's one of the biggest barriers I found in, in playing in band. Just thinking about the, like your drum not being set up exactly the same way. Cause I, I did play piano and 
every piano is the same. In fact, if you play on a keyboard, an electric keyboard, it's a little, the keys are just a little bit smaller and it totally would throw me off because, you know, the way that you go to reach for a note is different. Like I can't even imagine, like it must, it must be that when you're playing, you're, it's like a kinesthetic memory of where each piece of the drum kit is, right? Yeah, so basically on my big drum set, the one I play with live mostly, the cymbals are kind of all mounted off other stands. So they're pretty much in the same spots, you know, just depending on, again, if there's any weird angles we have to use. It's just getting the tom-toms at the right angles, angles depend like how I'm sitting. Like sometimes if I'm crunched into a corner or sometimes I got yeah. a big wide open stage, right? So, yeah. and getting, you know, like Lisa saying, the, the, you know, talk about bass drum pedals and hi-hat pedals. I use double kick pedals when I play. Uh, not because I play speed metal, but just there's different reasons why I do that. But um, so getting that all set up, it takes a certain amount of space and the right kind of angles for your feet to be able to move. Because again, you can't see, I, I don't know how sighted people do this, never actually asked, but uh, when I'm switching from one pedal to another pedal, um, I have to kind of use the sense of my feet and, you know, make the movement. I guess mm -hmm. it's probably what sighted people do as well, I guess, but I can't even glance at it, right? Like I don't have my peripheral vision seeing my foot going over and hitting the hi-hat pedal or whatever. So yeah. That takes that takes some the practice and you know things go wrong sometimes but that's okay and how much have you mastered that um well i'm pretty good i mean why why i was playing with double kicks recently is because i've had an injury to my right foot in the last couple of years and basically i had to teach myself quickly to play with my left foot for my bass drum and and so my band couldn't tell me the difference when i was playing but i could because i had to really physically or really mentally think about what my left foot was doing to play those bass drum patterns out front, they sounded just as good as my right foot did, but in my mind, it was not easy to do. Like I had to always be thinking, what am I playing? What am I playing? Whereas when I play with my right foot, I'm just, I just play, it just comes out. Right. So that was the main reason why I used put double kicks up. And after doing that, I found that my right foot is my normal foot. I play heel down. And so it's a bit of a lighter touch and my left foot, cause I have less control over it. I play with my heel up. So it's a bit of a louder sound. So some, sometimes I'll still use my left foot in the kind of real rock heavy songs because it's got a heavier uh, sound to the bass drum. So normally, is it just one foot involved in drumming? Uh, nowadays, people generally use two bass drum pedals uh, a lot of mm -hmm. times. So, yeah, so normally, like, it used to be, yeah, you're, you'd have one bass drum. But you remember, you know, you see those pictures of bands from the 70s, like these giant drum sets with two bass drums. And, of course, who's got room for that kind of stuff? So that bass drum, a double bass drum pedal is a way of having that kind of sound. Okay. Um, be able to kind of bass drum rolls, as it were. Right. Uh, okay. Which we all, like I say, we all mostly know from speed metal, where it's like da 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 da, just like constant, <laughs> you know, fast notes, right? Yeah. Huh. You're making it sound like a workout. It is. Well, that's what I do, like for exercising mm -hmm. now, nowadays a lot. When I'm stuck at home, is I go and play different types of music, and it is a workout. It depends what you put into it. You know, yeah. like what kind of music you're playing, and I, you know, I'm not a really hard hitter, so it's more just about the concentration and just playing things correctly. Hmm. What about you, Alethea? Does your vision impact your playing? I find if the drum set is moved around a lot, then yes. And it really happens when I'm in band and doing concerts. So I have to kind of like feel where everything is. I've been pretty good, but yes, it's the tom-toms and the angle and the rim. Cymbals aren't so bad, but yeah, they're still kind of like, oh, it's hard, you know? Mm -hmm. 
I feel like the symbol, especially, well, at least to my non-drum expert ear, feels like if you miss that, <laughs> it's going to make quite an impact, like no, be noticeable. Um, yeah, it's, and, and I mean, it's interesting because like, I actually, just, I actually developed a way of playing drums, I think, when I was younger, because I used to, when I lived in Toronto, I used to go to a lot of jams, and the drums are always set up differently. So I actually became much more of a snare drum-based drumming. I didn't do a lot of tom-tom fills and stuff like I do now, um, just because, you know, the angle of the drum, the angles of the cymbals, you could catch a stick really easily and have your stick go flying, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to play this song with one hand now. <laughs> uh, so I just started playing a lot where I did really cool, neat fills, which gave me a gave me sort of a style actually, which I you know the first couple of bands I was in in Vancouver when I moved here, that was part of my my style. But I've since changed that because I, who doesn't like doing lots of big tom tom rolls? Okay, let's talk about bands. So how did you guys, Alethea, tell us about your band? How did you find your band or form your band? Who is your band? Well, if I'm gonna talk currently. I am part of my school concert band and my school jazz band. Um, for, for this just formed by, I guess, people really wanting to just do their, their things, doing jazz band or concert band. What I really like about this in particular now, doing concert band and jazz band, is that I feel like I have grown confidence over the years because of that playing in the church with some youth when I was younger. So when I got to jazz band and concert band, I mean, I was a little nervous, but I felt like after a while, I didn't get scared as much. Um, I had some drum lessons too, but I'm mostly self-taught. And you can't, do you read music or do you, how do you learn a piece? So for me, I listen to recordings. I have my earbuds and then I have construction headphones and I plug my earbuds into my phone, play the recording and practice while I'm drumming. Because what I find is because my drum set's so loud, it was really, really hard to try and find a setup that would actually work. So one of the drum teachers that I went to and to see, and this is basically this was actually in summer, mm -hmm. uh, I believe 2019. He said, you, you got your earbuds and, and headphones if you want to jam it out like that. Like you can use earbuds, head, construction headphones. And it was just, it really worked for me. And, you know, he gave many different scenarios, but I felt like this one was the one that actually worked for the setup. Right. Because you have to be able to hear the song you're trying you're playing along to but then when you're playing you're drowning out the song yeah if you don't have that right yeah, yeah I, get it. I can't hear it it's not drowning actually i just can't hear it right you need to get rid of the earbuds and get some really good sound canceling canceling headphones on those you know covering like the over-the-ear headphones and get some like yeah. the sound blocked mm. out of the drums more so the drums would be kind of muffled a bit and, and hopefully maybe mixed in I, I use a, at home, I use an electronic drum kit for that, where the music goes into my electronic drum kit and then I can mix it basically between that and the sound of the electronic, drum, the electronic drums and the, and the music I'm listening to. I can mix them together and get the kind of the balance that I want so that my drumming fits right into the, to the songs oh, I'm listening good. to. That's cool. Yeah. 
Did you also have a band, Alethea, with friends? I have musical friends. So we sometimes jam together in duos and whatnot together. Like they come over to my house and we jam together for like right. hours or something like that. Okay. So Gary, how about you? You've been in lots of bands. How how did that come to be? And was it hard? Like, yeah. How did the first one start? How'd you get into performing? Um, yeah, I guess my, my band started back when I was in university in Calgary is where I was in a band that played a lot and um, met some people there kind of through the, I think the university radio station had, you know, kind of a bulletin board and stuff. So over the years, it's always been stuff like that. Like, you know, the technology changes. It used to be, you know, the Georgia Strait and now magazine in Toronto, these newspapers had classified ads and then that went to Craigslist and online and stuff and probably the same kind of thing. But I always just looked for bands that looking for drummers. Um, not too many times has it been just kind of friends. It's usually been me really actively looking. Um, and, you know, like you said, I've been different bands, different styles, recorded, you know, a bunch of different CDs and stuff like that. So I've had those experiences. Um, but it's just always, you know, trying to find the right type of music. And it's hard. Bands are hard. You have to find the right music you want to play and, and the right people to play it with because the personalities, you know, I've been in some good bands, but to be two songwriters and they kind of went in different directions. So there goes the band torn apart and that's that, right? So it's really hard to keep bands together. That's why it's always amazing when you see bands that have been around for a long time, because that's not a, that's not an easy task. How do people react to you being blind when you're wanting to join their band? Uh, it's a mixture of things. I, I guess the other one, the bands I end up in, it's the ones of people who kind of get it, but um, you know, it, it's just like everything else when you're blind, you always have to be prepared to explain how you're going to manage things and, uh, you know, how things are going to work. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I'm just like a drummer who doesn't have a car. Like it's not necessarily because I'm blind, but it gets, you need people to understand because when it comes to loading in and out of bars and stuff like that, um, you know, I usually move my drums, like using my cane and stuff and carry my drums in the other hand. I, I get a bit leery about carrying other people's musical gear in case I run into something with it. Like it's my drums are my drums, it's my problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's things like that that you kind of have to have people who are, you know, sensitive to that and kind of give you the things to carry. Like I'm often carrying music stands and mic stands and, you know, crap that I can't break if I run into anything. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of one of the, the barriers setting up is, not usually too bad, but again, the band I'm in right now, they kind of have my, some carpets, my drums go on. They kind of chuck my carpets on the floor where they think the drums will fit. <laughs> and right. So that's, that's ground zero. And I kind of build out around that. And, you know, having set my drums up tons and tons of times, of course, I kind of know sort of how they're going to fit once they start getting, getting put together. I think, uh, I think a key thing that's come out of a couple of things we talked about though, for any people out listening to this who want to, you know, play drums or play anything probably is there's one part when you're learning it and you're at home, you're listening to it. And we'd like to say, we're trying to find ways to use different headphone setups and whatever as drummers to, to play. But in the end, the best thing to do is to play with other people. Like that's what makes you get better. Um, you know, especially if you're not, you know, if you're playing with people better than you, that always makes you get better too. So that's, I think one of the key things I would say is it's so important to get, you want to improve as a musician any instrument you're playing is just playing with other people is going to make you better and, and improve your skill set. I'm curious if you're like, say you're playing a gig and, and you've got an audience, obviously, do people even know that you can't see? 
Uh, not till I wander out after the set with my cane, probably. Yeah, right. Like, have you had people come up to you and, or maybe they've been smiling at you all night? I guess you wouldn't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I assume everybody's smiling at me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, of course you get a lot of comments and you get uh, the, the ones that are neat too, is like, I, I remember being at a jam, there's a, a pub in my neighborhood, hopefully it'll exist, still exist next year and have jams again. But uh, it's kind of a lot of musicians from old, 70s and 80 rock bands play there and stuff and I'd played there I got to play like once or twice that night and this guy to show up at the end of the night was a, one of the drummers for Trooper in the olden days oh, wow. and he was really great he was amazing and so I was just you know talking to him later on and saying I just want to say like your drumming is really great like that really inspires me and he's like oh no your drumming really inspires me like, like go to a place with a unknown drum set and unknown musician so that and they, you know they can't signal you visually like they normally like to do and to play and sound as good as sound is like it's really incredible and it's like so we kind of mutually congratulate each other for different reasons but that those are the kind of comments that really that's a guy who knows what we're going through as a drummer we can't see like even though he can see but he understands the challenges and that's that's really meaningful those kind mm -hmm. of compliments yeah i think for me yes because i'm actually of course i've got my white cane and then I'm, I'm, I've got sighted guide. I'm, I'm doing sighted guide. Uh, somebody's guiding me around. And of course, I'm also, I look for things with my hands sometimes if I'm not sure where things are, but that's mm -hmm. when I'm really close to something. And then after the performance, I get lots of comments like Gary was saying, like, um, you, your drumming is fantastic. This is really inspiring. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm amazed you can do this. And I think people are just so blown away and I think people underestimate what blind people can do. And I wish that was something that could change, not just in the blind world, but in the disability world. Yep. I agree. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a great comment actually. And that's something to uh, kind of connect to getting compliments and stuff about your playing and, and who knows where they're coming from. I used to sometimes think they were just saying it, you know, just because I'm, I'm blind and they're so amazed that a blind guy can do that. But as I've gotten older, I've had to get past that because that's my own internal blindness, negative blindness voice talking. And, you know, when people compliment and say they're, you know, amazed they're, they're doing that or whatever, playing drums, it's like, I now accept that as like genuine compliments and take them that way instead of using my own internalized uh, way of thinking about blindness and negativity that I used to have. And so I think that's something that's really important as well as to, you know, openly take those compliments and not try and overthink them and think, oh, it's just because I'm blind they're saying that because odds are it's, it, that that is a, something that's impressing them, but also you're probably a good musician and that's also what's impressing them. Well, and also, I mean, one of the re reasons we're talking about this on this podcast is because maybe people don't think of blind and drummer together, but there's no reason that a drummer couldn't be blind. And it is kind of like, you know, one topic at a time, just showing people that we're just regular people doing well, regular stuff. Well, the drums are the safest because once we're there, we're sitting in our stool and we're playing our drums, like, <laughs> like a guitar player or something wandering off the stage or something, right? Yes. Although, I mean, with any instrument, I, I don't, I played the flute and I played the trumpet and the jazz band and I played the piano and, but like, especially in a, in a band, like a orchestra, like a school band situation, you've got a conductor that's cueing you here and there. 
Um, if you're playing the flute, it's pretty quiet. If you come in too early, you might get away with it. If you're playing the drums and you come in too early or too late or whatever, everyone knows, right? Like that, that's tough. What I find about having conductors in band is really so when we're changing, like say from a slow part of the song to a faster part, I can't see so what they're doing. So for me to adapt things like that, I usually get like a percussionist nearby and I ask, okay, um, can you, when it hits this part, can you tap it with your tap tambourine or whatnot to just to keep the time because I don't know exactly what the time like how fast the conductor is mm -hmm. doing it and that's where really advocating really comes in and um it's really important at least to me to just know how to advocate and especially in a respectful way in a way that they understand and, and that's what that's what really like it really helps I guess the conductor know, okay, what's the best way to help someone who's blind in my band? Yeah. Cause you can't yell, okay, Alethea or right. Like you can't, there's, and I mean, aside from like your person beside you, like drumming on your back, <laughs> the rhythm, I don't, I feel like yeah. that would be tricky. Yeah. I did a drum solo for my concert and even with my earbuds on, which I can still hear pretty good, but when it's like even the yelling in the theater or just playing for a virtual audience and even yelling in the theater is harder for me, even from like, let's say a, a five meter range. And I just have to know when it's my turn, either by, I guess, how many solos are before me or whatever. What I, I'm gonna call these drum music landmarks, just so, like using them Mm -hmm. I was like, like say, okay, there's, or I'll use different changes in the piece. Okay. So I'm like, okay, maybe let's say I'm listening to a jazz piece that's slower and then it speeds up and, and I, I, I don't exactly know when it's going to speed up. So I listen for like, okay, what is this like sounding like? Um, Cause I, I, I've done some piano, so I kind of know I'm like, okay. Once it hits this bar, you can start counting this many bars or listen for this note or mm -hmm. listen for it. It can just go on. And, and as I play over the years, I find myself developing techniques in order to deal with these kinds of situations. I'm curious to know. So both of you have had a fair bit of experience with drumming and, you know, you're part of different bands and uh, have performed a fair bit as well. And I was wondering if you have ever thought about uh, perhaps going into the teaching realm of things, if you, you know, if you've been approached by people to uh, teach them how to play drums, or if that is something that you're uh, interested in doing. I think for me, I don't think I'll be going into a teaching realm. I just don't feel like I could do it at this point, like, cause I feel it's not my thing right now, but maybe as I get older, I could be a drum teacher, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been asked about that before too. You know, I think it, <laughs> there's a couple of things. I think I had a kind of a traumatic experience because my first drum teacher I had didn't do a good job at teaching me how to hold my sticks correctly and had to get retaught everything the next year. And that's kind of one of your key things 
to learn basically is that your interaction with your instruments through your sticks. And so, yeah, I think it gave me a bit of an anxiety about like messing somebody up from the very beginning. Um, and then the other part is because how I was trained, a lot of, a lot of what I was trained was actually very visual using books and, and reading a lot of things. So, you know, I'd have to come up with a whole way of doing that differently than how I was taught, which would be, I think, very challenging because, uh, yeah, just a, rethinking it. And, and then part of it's confidence, like, you know, having to get past, again, some of those internal blocks that we have and thinking, well, you know, if I want to teach somebody, I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could figure out how, around, you know, ways around being able to touch their hands and figure out how to make sure they're holding their sticks correctly and come up with exercises that kind of uh, emulated the ones I did where I was reading things because it's all about those things exercises are all just about creating independence and limbs and stuff. So it's, it's, you can come up with things for that. But yeah, so it's just, I haven't ever done it and I don't know if I will or not, but uh, again, it's just trying to having to be very creative and think how, how you would do it differently for me, having not being able to see and not be some of the tools I grew up with. Um, now that you're, you can't read music, how do you learn new pieces? Uh, I do it all by ear, basically. I um, basically get a song. Somebody says, like, you know, I remember with my band, somebody said they'd pay us an extra hundred bucks we played this one song at their wedding. It's like, all right. I, we were at a gig doing that. I went outside in the break of the gig, pulled it up on YouTube, listened to it, you know, very carefully, counted kind of the parts out and, you know, said to the guitar player, yeah, I think I have this mostly figured out. And then we played it at our next practice and played it the following weekend at the, the wedding. Um, some wow. songs are easier than other songs. Some songs are not so simple. That was a very simple song. Uh, but uh, yeah, so just listening and breaking it down. So I play in a cover band, which means we play, you know, uh, other people's music. So for me, that's kind of fun because I actually try and copy the style of that drummer. So if I'm playing something like The Who and it's very busy and crazy and not actually in great, perfect time, I try and play that way. And if it's, uh, you know, something more refined, um, then I would try and play that style or whatever kind of the style the drummer has, which makes it, you know, kind of fun because you're learning how to, when you learn how to copy people, it brings into your own style. There's songs that I just play how I play as well, but um, always you you bring yourself into these things, even when you're copying other people's songs, but you know, taking, you know, in a cover band where you know 200 songs, it's kind of fun. It's, you know, mm-hmm. not too, probably not 200 different styles, but, you know, probably a hundred different ways of playing, right? What, how would you describe your style? Um, my styles, when it comes to drum set playing, I guess I'm, I have really good time, good groove. And a lot of times, uh, well, I guess I'm getting more complex than I used to, but I used to be known for being quite simplistic in my drumming and people used to really like that because it just gave a really solid bass for things. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go to a jazz jam. I remember and I was talking to the bass player one time, I got him a, a gig where I used to work and. And he was saying he loved playing Latin and stuff with me because I'm just so rock solid. And I was in my head laughing, going, it's because I'm not good enough to do anything else, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, that just shows you, like, he enjoyed that because some of the drummers who thought they were good enough to do other things, he said they're really busy, but they're all over the place. Their time is not good, and it's hard for the music to settle in. And so, you know, realistically, it's, it really was because I wasn't really, I was just starting playing jazz and stuff. So I wasn't, that was pretty fundamental. But that, that way of playing and just really locking that in, um, you know, playing in a rock cover band, of course, it gives me opportunities to do crazy tom fills and crazy, you know, triplet fills and things like that and have lots of fun with it. But generally speaking, I think that's, I'm known for having a really solid, solid feel, good feel, solid groove. Mm. What about you, Alethea? What What's your favorite kind of music to play? Oh, I really love jazz. 
and I, it's just, I don't know. I love jazz because it's what I call musician music. So my dad was saying if, and he's actually the one who started it. And he said, if you love jazz, then you're a true musician. And <laughs> I, I have to admit, I think that's true because jazz, there's a lot of complex chords. There's a lot of complex melodies, a lot of crunchy notes, so on and so forth that are not musically simple. Let's put it that way. Hmm. And then even when drumming, it can, it's probably, I'd say, one of the more complex styles of drumming. I mean, rock's complex in its own way, but jazz to me is unique. Like it's because you can switch up constantly way more in terms of time signatures than I feel in rock. Right. Yeah, there's, there's, there's more jazz drumming has a lot more independence in what you're doing and as far as like from limb to limb and and how you're playing in rock music and pop music and stuff you really you really have a beat a driving beat because the idea of pop music is dance music in a sense and at different levels from you know your thumping quarter notes and electronic music to rock music it's all to make people kind of move and dance and jazz kind of does things differently and some jazz to make you move and stuff like bebop and it's very super fast and energetic um, but it's drumming wise, yeah, it's, it's the most challenging thing to play that I that I've played for sure. So, Alethea, is your is your school band still practicing during COVID? Oh yes, we do still practice. I feel that it's actually not a lot different than pre-COVID. The only thing that's different about this is that there's mask wearing and hand sanitizing and all those other protocols, um, but there is no social distancing in the percussion section. I feel that the trumpets and all the sections are, mm -hmm. I mean, pushed closer together and not actually social distance. I could be wrong, but that's my sense. Well, the, I mean, the percussionists can have a mask on, but the rest of the yeah. instruments can't. Right. So oh. yeah. Interesting. I think we're lucky in that way. Cause we're safer. Yeah. Sort of. All the little horns that touch have little masks over the end of them. <laughs> Well, right. I think those are called bell covers. <laughs> yeah, I guess they could. That would be an interesting <laughs> sounding band if every instrument had a little covering. <laughs> yeah, the COVID band. Yeah, the COVID style. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about you, Gary? I'm guessing your band has not been able to play anywhere. Yeah, no, we haven't uh, since last March, I guess it was. It was our, uh, not, uh, mostly our last practice. Um, we had a all of our gigs that we had we do a lot of community gigs outdoor gigs and stuff they were all got canceled last year obviously and even though maybe they'd be possible to have them this summer it takes a while to plan those events and so that hasn't happened so they probably won't happen again this summer mm. um we had one one sort of outdoory gig type of thing in the summer uh it was on the patio for the neighbors and stuff like that and we all kind of played socially distanced on this they had a giant patio um and that was really fun actually because we we've been playing together for a while so we don't really need to practice to play a lot of the songs that we play and yeah just to sit down and play just like a couple sets and um so that was really fun but uh <laughs> but yeah I, I was kind of hoping with vaccinations and stuff like that that pretty soon we might be able to at least practice again uh, that would be mm -hmm. kind of fun i'm missing uh playing on the electronic kit is good it you know helps me you know keep playing and keep things going and stuff but there's nothing like playing on an acoustic kit and playing with other musicians yeah 
Do you guys have plans of being like famous rock stars in the future or what's the long-term goal for drumming? Alethea. We're probably yeah, I probably should start with the younger person for that question. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I I think of starting my own band when I grow up. I'm not sure exactly. I had ideas like I wanted to start a, a BCOV, the British Columbia Youth Orchestra for the Visually Impaired. Interesting. I wanted to start that. And maybe I could even add other disabilities in with that as well and whatnot. Mm, that's I cool. feel like that would be really inclusive mm-hmm. and I've always been thinking about when I could start and like what's the right time to start kind of thing yeah I'd, yeah I guess I, I I thought that well actually I never really thought I as a drummer you know what you never you're, you're it's hard for you to become super famous unless you're like top of the game of drumming basically because sadly say like drummers often get dropped in bands when they get famous um, so, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it happens quite a bit actually. Like you get a record contract or something, and you, you know, there's an example like Coldplay. I saw a documentary on them where they're after they're, they're doing their second album and stuff, and I think they let their drummer go for a while, and because he wasn't keeping up with some of the things they were trying to do. But in the end, his way of playing was actually a real big part of their sound. They just didn't realize it yet, right? Like that's the mm. That's the irony sometimes is it's not the best player that creates the best sound. It's the player is playing together a certain way that creates the best sound. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, you know, I thought about maybe, maybe being able to make a living playing music. I went to jazz school and stuff. And when I moved out to Vancouver, I kind of thought, you know, when I'm in bands, I'll do the right things. You know, we'll, we'll have our press packages and our, you know, CDs. And now we have your YouTube videos and, you know, all that stuff ready to go in case you ever have that opportunity. But, yeah, I just, I just kind of enjoy playing music. I enjoy playing in front of people. Puts that pressure on me to do well, I guess. It makes me try to succeed. So that's, that's what I like. Awesome. I feel like as a kid and just growing in like teenagehood and growing up in my very younger years, teenage years, I feel like people are a bit more inclusive and forgiving, I guess, because everybody's like kids or teenagers. But yeah, like Gary's saying, I feel like adults can sometimes be a lot more, I, I would say like controversial about who they pick and in, in drumming. And especially when it's blindness, especially when it's other disabilities. Um, and of course the factor of drumming too, like that you, with our blindness, it's like a whole nother ball of wax that sighted people don't have to deal with. But Is- the, the cool thing, the cool thing about that though, is that you're, you're very right. But, you know, and the other side of that, flipping that coin over, you become more special and more unique too, though. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, people remember the band with the blind drummer kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, and, you know, it's also, you know, a way of pushing yourself to make sure you are really good as well, that you do do the work so that when you get those opportunities and play with those, those good musicians that you come across as being good, well, not good, but, you know, as good as they are so that you're getting asked to play with them again, not because you're blind, because you're a good musician. If people wanted to hear your music, uh, I don't know, Alethea, do you have anything online that people can listen to? I don't have anything online. I only have personal recordings. Right. Okay. So not yet, but, you know, keep eyes open for Alethea in the future. Gary, what about you? If people wanted to hear your music, where could they find it? Um, I don't know. My band's name is Rain Shadow. 
And if they Googled that, uh, we used to have some stuff on YouTube. I remember I'd, not stuff I really loved, honestly, but uh, yeah, for me, I'd, like that's, I've been in other bands that did CDs a long time ago, so those probably aren't around anymore. But uh, Well, I've heard a, f- a couple of your bands play, and I would vouch that it's good music and Gary's a good drummer, so check it out. <laughs> oh, the testimonials, you love those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for being here today. This was very interesting. Um, I don't know. How was it for you, Alethea, to to meet another blind drummer that's kind of further ahead than you in, in the drumming career? I feel like it's really good because it can help me have someone that understands me and can maybe even teach me about how to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the feel the same way actually, because uh, you know, having with your your limited vision from the beginning, you've had to figure things out that I had to f- figure out or still trying to figure out. So I mean, I think there's a lot you can teach me about how you adapt and how you advocate for yourself to kind of, like you say, let people know what you need in order to be successful playing music in those bigger band situations. I I kind of just avoided those because it didn't work for me. So you know, congrats to you. Thank you so much. And I mean, we could learn from each other, like. Nobody knows everything. And I, I, I find myself learning lots of things every single day. Definitely. Well said. All right. Well, thanks, you guys. Really appreciate you being here. And thank you, Sirit, for joining me as my co-host today. Thank you, Sean. It was a lot of fun. And we got to learn a lot about drums and and being blind. Um, Well, I mean, being blind part, I guess I'm an expert on that. But you know, the the (laughs) two together. Um, So thank you. And thank you, Gary and Alicia as well for being here. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. If you have a question, a comment, a topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please tell a friend about our podcast, subscribe, like, and give us a rating and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.